Uh, well, welcome everybody. Um, if you've been following along with us uh, for the last several months, really, we've been going through the uh, Minor Prophets. Uh, we began with the book of Jonah, and we've kind of gone through Joel, Obadiah, uh, and now we're currently in Amos. But we're going to take a break uh, from that just for one week. Uh, I just wanted to um, kind of focus in on uh, this holiday that's coming up in four short days. Uh, we know it as Thanksgiving. Um, and I think most of us, or at least I hope, would understand the, the story behind the holiday of Thanksgiving, the history behind it. But um, I wanted to just take a, a day here uh, to look at the, the verb tense of the word Thanksgiving. Not the day itself, but the term Thanksgiving. What uh, Thanksgiving should look like in the heart and the life of a believer. And so first off, uh, we have to ask the question of what is Thanksgiving? How does scripture illustrate um, giving thanks in action? What does that look like? Um, well, it actually has a few different definitions based on its context, uh, especially that, that's especially true in the Old Testament. Um, author and writer uh, Jesse Wisniewski, he explains that the, the Bible verses about thanksgiving in the Old Testament are closely tied to praise. In other words, the people would praise God for who he is or for delivering them from a bad situation. In the New Testament, verses in the Bible about thanksgiving expand upon the limited scope of the concept in the Old Testament. And what we see in the New Testament is thanksgiving becomes a way of life for the Christians in the good times and the bad. He asks, what does this all mean? In the end, to give thanks can include praising God for who he is and what he has done for you. And it can also involve a general expression of gratitude. I think you summed it up well. We can finish there. Let's pray. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but in other words, he says there's two basic forms of thanksgiving. Uh, that would be, one would be a heart of praise towards God, and the second would be an overflowing heart of gratitude uh, towards the Lord. And so this morning, we're going to look at a psalm of thanksgiving. And my hope and prayer uh, is that uh, we individually, as well as collectively as a, as a body of Christ, will respond to the exhortation to give thanks. And we're going to answer questions like why we give thanks, uh, when we give thanks, and how to give thanks this morning. And so as we gain a better understanding of, uh, of thanksgiving, my hope is that a heart of thanksgiving would flow from our lives. And that's not just, of course, this Thursday, but every day following and before that. Um, but before we begin, begin, I'm going to let you guys turn to the book of Psalm, uh, chapter 100. And... Uh, um, before we jump in, though, I'd like to just open up in prayer before we read God's word. Heavenly Father, we just come to you today. Um, Lord, I just pray we come with just truly thankful hearts uh, as we have the opportunity to read your word, as, as you have presented it to us, that you would reveal yourself to us uh, in, in amazing and miraculous ways day by day. Uh, we just thank you for that opportunity. We thank you for everyone here and just the... Uh, just the unity in the body of believers that you've brought together um, and just in this church this morning. But I just thank you for the, the body of believers worldwide, Father, uh, that we have brothers and sisters all throughout the globe, uh, that we um, are related to one another through you, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that beautiful um, image of the church that you have presented to us with, Lord. And uh, as we study your word, I just pray again that you'd reveal yourself this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So Psalm 100, yes there is a lot of Psalms, <laughs> uh, but we're going to look at number 100 today, and we're going to read the entirety, so buckle your seatbelts, it's a very long uh, chapter, it's five verses, um, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> 
sorry. That was, that's a pastor joke. Pretty lame. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Psalm 100, starting in verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. What a beautiful psalm. And uh, just a wonderful reminder for us for why we give thanks. And we're going to really dig deep into this this morning. Um, and before we go into chapter, or verse 4 right away, where it tells us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and to give thanks to him, uh, it's important to understand there's some other key attributing factors uh, to having a proper heart of thanksgiving before the Lord. Uh, in verses 1 and 2, there's uh, the exhortations. Number one, to make a joyful noise to the Lord. And that is immediately followed by an exhortation to serve the Lord with gladness, followed by another exhortation to come into his presence with singing. Now each of these exhortations, they conclude with an exclamation point, and so they really do show the uh, importance and urging uh, from the psalmist of a strong response uh, to these verses. But it's important to understand that as we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, there are steps that are leading up to that moment uh, that prepare our hearts to, to properly pour out our thanks before him. And so we're going to look at these real quickly, uh, these exhortations one by one. Uh, the first exhortation, it says, is to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Another way this is rendered in other uh, versions uh, is to shout for joy. Now, I found in my own life that oftentimes um, joy and thankfulness can go hand in hand very well, uh, and they tend to uh, blend together. Uh, and, and for one thing, it can be very difficult to be thankful when you lack joy, but on the reverse side of things, uh, it can be hard to find joy when you are thankless, right? It can be very hard to find joy in life when you're not thankful for anything in your life. And we can understand what it means to live joyfully, or when we can understand what it means to live joyfully, then we'll be better suited to be men and women uh, with true hearts that are rendered with thankfulness towards the Lord. Uh, and the next exhortation, I believe, is very important as well. Um, after these calls for shouts of joy before the Lord, the psalmist calls for the Lord's people to serve him. Uh, but how does he tell us to serve him? There's, there's, a, there's a way we're supposed to serve him. It says, with gladness. Um, interestingly, it's, it's once more a matter of the heart when it comes to entering before the Lord. Uh, and if you remember the last couple of weeks, we talked about how the Israelites had this wrong heart before the Lord, right? They were, uh, they would, they were serving or worshiping other gods. They were living neck deep in sin. Uh, and they were doing their own thing, living in the flesh. But they would come to their feasts and they would enter into the presence of the Lord. They'd bring their sacrifices before him. They'd sing songs of praise and worship before him. And then we see God's responses. I want nothing to do with this. You know, I, I'm not going to accept your empty praises and your noisy hymns and, and these sacrifices. I will not look upon them. Uh, and what it was was a matter of the heart. Their hearts were not fully rent to God. And they were split between their devotion between God and these false idols and sin in their life. And he wanted nothing to do with uh, their half-hearted praises. And so similarly, there's a proper way to serve the Lord. As we worship the Lord, there's also a proper way to serve Him. And as a pastor, I've learned this can be extremely convicting. Um, 
you know, and I think that each of us really should pause this morning and examine our hearts before the Lord is how, we, how are we serving the Lord today? And that's the question uh, I want each of us to really consider uh, as we continue through this is how are you serving the Lord this morning? Um, is it with gladness or is it the sense of obligation? You know, God, you've told me to do this. I'm doing it for you. I hope you're happy. <laughs> you know, we don't say it out loud. I hope not anyway, but, you know, we can kind of think it or our actions might show that. Um, but we must be very careful of how we're serving him. And, uh, you know, so, so while we never may say that verbally, <laughs> um, it may be the cry of our hearts. But when our hearts are, are right before the Lord and we find ourselves serving him with gladness, you'll find that joy and thankfulness will flow from that naturally, as an extension almost. It's also important to remember, guys, that what it means to serve the Lord. Okay, it's not just in a capacity within the church or its walls or within the church community itself, right? You know, we think of serving oftentimes when we when we refer to the church and we think of either just like outreach ministries or child ministry, uh, music ministry, preaching, um, you know, kitchen ministry, whatever it is. We we kind of put it something ministry, you know, to it, and that's serving the Lord. And yes, that's true. But we serve the Lord in every capacity uh, of our lives. Um, so. Whatever we do, it is for the Lord. And so we're just not serving just within, uh, it's not limited to just the service within the church. We can serve the Lord everywhere. And so, you know, for spouses, we serve the Lord through our marriage, right? And we serve the Lord with gladness through our marriages, through the ups and downs, the trials and tribulations, the high points, the low points. We serve the Lord through that marriage. And, uh, you know, likewise for parents, we serve the Lord through our parenting, you know, and the highs and lows of parenting. <laughs> you serve the Lord through that. When the kid is not taking a nap, you serve the Lord with gladness. <laughs> I remind myself of that. Yeah, okay. Gladness. Okay. Um, but also, likewise, you know, for the children, you know, you honor your father and mother with gladness. And, uh, and it goes both ways. It is, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing when, it's, when we understand the context of how we're supposed to serve the Lord and how we can serve the Lord in all things. And so we serve him uh, through how we, we shine a light to a dark and broken world around us, but we do so with gladness in our heart, right? Because the world around us can see if we're serving out of obligation uh, over gladness. You know, okay, well, he's serving, but, you know, it could be like the, the mindset of Jonah, right? Kind of just oblige because, you know, God threatened him with a fish for three days and then said, do it again, you know, let's see what happens. So fine. Uh, but we have to have the proper hearts. And, and it tells us to serve the Lord with gladness in our hearts. The last exhortation here is to come with singing before the Lord is singing. And again, this is another reminder back to the Israelites in the book of Amos. Again, we just talked about how they would come before the Lord with their, their praises and their worship, but their, their hearts were not fully rent to the Lord. They were uh, split devotion, as it were. And so God did not accept their worship. So there's a wrong way of doing this. And once again, it comes down as a matter of the heart. And we don't come into worship Sunday mornings. Uh, we don't, or we shouldn't, come out of habits or out of obligation. Uh, a time of worship is very important. Um, you know, we don't even sing the songs because we like them, right? You know, that's not the purpose behind them. And, I, you know, I've been guilty of that growing up. You know, you hear a song, and I go, great, this song again. You know, <laughs> like, I hate this song. This song's so old. Why is he singing it? Um, you guys better not think that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I was very convicted, um, actually it was probably within the last year when it came to worship. Um, you know, worship and singing to the Lord has, has nothing to do with us and everything to do with Him. 
has nothing to do with what we prefer or our preferences or what, uh, what we want to get out of worship. It is, it is for the Lord and for the Lord solely. And oftentimes he blesses us in that moment, right? With his presence and it just revealing himself to us. But it is not for us, it is for the Lord. Um, and so we're called to come into his presence with singing. But, uh, and when we do this properly, guys, I don't know about you, but if when we come into his presence with worship and, and our hearts are right before him, I, I myself cannot, be, I cannot help but to be filled with joy and with gladness and thankfulness. You know, you just think of all the things, all the blessings he's poured out on your life and then just his grace and his mercy upon you. And uh, you, just, it's just, you can't help but to be filled with joy and with gladness and thankfulness in those moments. Uh, and if you need reminding as to why we do any of these things, let me look at verse 3 in Psalm 100. He says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Now, is there a more powerful encouragement for us this morning than those three words, we are His? I love, I love those words. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people. It says that we are the sheep of his pasture. And this, this imagery here is, is absolutely astounding. For us, you know, how many here have sheep that they pasture? You know, for us today, it's not a very common, uh, you know, occupation to go into is to be um, a shepherd. Um, but uh, back then it was, it, was, it was really common. And so the imagery would be very clear with these people as they would read these words. You know, the shepherd, they were the protector of their flocks from all dangers. And they'd also be the ones that would lead their sheep to green pastures, right? They would eat, they'd eat the grass and it would be empty, so they'd have to lead them elsewhere to green pastures and continually make sure that they're, they're being fed and, uh, and getting nutrition, and uh, they would also protect their sheep against the wolves and lions and all these other predators out in the wild that would live out there. Um, and you think about the sheep without the shepherd. Uh, they often would wander off. They'd get lost. They were known to get stuck in thickets. You know, these thorn bushes, they just walk right into them. And now they're stuck. You know, there's all this wool. They can't get out. Um, they'd fall off cliffs. <laughs> they weren't paying attention. They'd just be eating and grazing and boop, they're gone. Um, they're not very intelligent animals. You know, they're cute, but they're not very bright. Um, and really, in reality, they're hopeless. You think about something like that kind of animal out in the wilderness. And any of you who hunt or know nature know that it can be pretty brutal out there and you think of a little sheep <laughs> you just send them out into the woods good luck buddy uh, it wouldn't take long for something to find it um, so they really are hopeless apart from the shepherd and with that said you know we're equally hopeless without the good shepherd in our own lives and I'm not saying you guys are idiots or dumb like the, like the sheep or anything like that please don't misunderstand me um, certainly we can make uh, unintelligent decisions in our life <laughs> that we wish we could have back um, but spiritually speaking, we are hopeless without the Good Shepherd. And, and for me, there's no better reason than to give thanks to the one in my life who has lifted me out of the mud and the mire of my own sin uh, and, and give thanks to him and as he has set my feet on solid ground. And there's no better reason to give thanks to the one who has taken me from a hopeless situation and given me hope that springs eternal. Um, and I understand it can be relatively easy to grasp why we give thanks, right? Okay, so it's pretty clear why we give thanks to the Lord, but certainly there's times where giving thanks is just hard, right? And we're going to touch on that in a minute. You know, we don't see any reason to give thanks in our life, perhaps. Uh, but before we get too far ahead, I just want to finish discussing Psalm 100. In verse 4, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. In his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. 
Now again, I, I find it interesting the order of the exhortations from the psalmist. Um, and, you know, it could be me looking into it too much, or, or it could, you know, he could have just listed them as he did just because, or there could be reason behind it. But, you know, first he says joyful noise. We, he moves from a joyful noise to serving him with gladness to, to coming to singing before even entering his gates with thanksgiving. Um, but I find this, the, this order of operations really to be kind of revealing you know, so we see a joyful heart, first of all, we see a glad heart, and then a praise-filled heart, before we even enter into his presence with our thanksgiving. And I believe that each of these attitudes ultimately affect the wholeness of our thankfulness. When all of these things are summed up, when our hearts are right in all three of those other areas of our life, our thankfulness uh, is much more whole. In Psalm 9, verse 1, he says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. The reason for our joyful heart and the reason for our gladness and service and the reason for our praises is, all found, is, is found in all that the Lord has done for us. Right? We stand only in victory because of him. It's not, nothing we did on our own accord. It's only through Jesus Christ. And so a way that we can maintain a thankful and joyful heart, as it says in Psalm 9 verse 1, is to recount all of his wonderful deeds. Does anyone on, on Thanksgiving, do they kind of go around the table and just, they, you guys say like one thing you're thankful for? Anyone do that? Is it just me or, you know, okay. <laughs> it's like, no, we don't do that. It's weird. No. <laughs> um, you know, typically, uh, I remember, especially when I was a, a teenager, because I was too cool for it, you know, you just give cliche answers. I'm thankful for this food, mom. You know, can we get on with it? <laughs> you know, and, uh, but sometimes you'll say family or friends or Jesus, and uh, I'm not... I'm not saying those are terrible answers. Those are actually wonderful answers and things we should truly be thankful for. Um, but I want to go a little bit deeper this, this week, guys. Um, I want to challenge all of us to just go throughout our entire week and just write down any time that God reminds us of something that we should be thankful for, to write it down. I mean, it could be a major thing. It could be, you know, the cross of Jesus Christ. Um, or it could be something trivial, you know, something minor that uh, doesn't seem really important in the grand scheme of things, but we find thankfulness in it. And just write it down. Um, and, or if you prefer your phone, use your phone. But just put it somewhere where you can, you can actually type it or write it out physically and see it um, and, and be reminded of it. Um, and, and so, you know, and I just challenge you guys, if you, if you prefer writing, to bring a notepad with you throughout the week. Uh, for ladies, you know, put it in your purse or something or in your pocket if you're a guy or if you have a purse and you're a guy, I'm not judging. Put it in your purse. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, just, just do something where, where you're writing everything down this week that you should be thankful for. Uh, and and I, I think the purpose behind this is not just to, just to do it, but uh, I think you'll begin to see a heart of thankfulness consistently emerge uh, in your life as you, as you begin to recount, as it says in Psalm 9, verse 1, all the, all the deeds that the Lord has done for you, right? You begin to recount all the, all the blessings God has poured out in your life. Um, you know, and I'll be honest, there, there's days um, when I, ex I just expect the blessings of the Lord to continue in my life, and not in a good way. There's a good way to have the expectations of the Lord's blessings in your life, right? Uh, you have that faith that the Lord is going to be there and provide, uh, but it's almost like this, this idea that I've earned it or I deserve it, you know, so, so pour out your blessings on me. And it can be a very dangerous place to live. Um, but, uh, but we begin to take for granted um, those little things. You know, I can take for granted the mornings that I get to share with my family. Um, you can take for granted uh, the simple blessings of just a sunrise that you get to experience and the Lord just revealing his beautiful nature to us once more. 
Uh, you can take for granted, I've taken for granted the words of encouragement from friends and family members throughout the day. Um, but when we begin to recount all of the wonderful deeds, uh, all the wonderful blessings, and you can even begin to recount the challenges and the hardships that, that shape and mold us. You know, James talks about that. He says, consider it pure joy when facing trials of many kinds because it produces steadfastness in our life. And so even that's a blessing in and of itself that we should be thankful for. But when we begin to give thanks for these things, our attitude begins to take shape into one of sincere gratitude, right? It's not one of just, you know, thank you for that, thank you for this, but it becomes a sincerity behind it that begins to shape and mold um, our entire life, really, and our entire attitude that the world sees in us. And it's also very important when we begin to do this, um, it's incredibly helpful in certain moments that we're going to talk about right now in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Um, we're going to look at verses 16 through 18. Now, if you have a very hard time memorizing verses, this is a good place to start. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always. Boom, you memorize a verse. Um, it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. There's another easy one. Uh, and it says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, these three simple verses are really, <laughs> they're really profound. They, are, they give us three mar basic marks of a believer, right? A heart of joy. In fact, Paul, in another one of his uh, letters, speaks about joy being one of the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and then he calls for the believer to pray without ceasing, uh, which suggests a mental attitude of prayerfulness, right? Continual personal fellowship with God and consciousness of being in his presence throughout the day. But then he gives an interesting uh, exhortation after that to the church in Thessalonica. He says to give thanks in all circumstances. And it really is an interesting concept, uh, but it's really a crucial one if we're going to have uh, hearts that are marked with true thanksgiving. It's one thing to give thanks and great prosperity and blessing, right? It it's, can be somewhat easy to give thanks in times when you're on the, the mountaintop. Um, but it's quite another to give thanks when you face Job-like trials and tribulations in your life. You know, I mean, how, how can one actually be thankful in times of great distress? Um, pastor Walter Meyer um, asked these questions. Uh, he, he was a pastor during World War II, but he refers back to the Great Depression. And he said, back in November 1930, when unemployment was high, farm prices low, bread lines long, shelters for the homeless full, the American Association for the Advancement of Atheism, the AAAA, um, sent a petition to the president asking that the annual Thanksgiving proclamation be omitted. And as he continues, Walter Meyer says, How these deniers of truth argued, can anyone give thanks with so much suffering and want throughout the land? How can people praise a God who permits such widespread anguish? Well, I mean, to be fair, that's a pretty good question. You know, and I think it's one that we should really consider. How can people praise a God who permits such widespread anguish? When there's so much suffering and want throughout the land, how can we give thanks? For that, I want to turn to Colossians chapter 2 and look at verse 7. And it says, Let your roots grow down into him, being Christ, and let your lives be built on him, being Christ. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Such a simple uh, yet profound answer given to us here. Its teaching tells us that we can, in fact, give thanks in all circumstances. That we can be fountains, it even says, overflowing with thankfulness in our lives to the world around us. 
And then tells us how, by allowing our roots to grow in Him. Now, how do we do that? How do our roots grow deep into Christ? I think it's relatively straightforward. I think when we spend time in His Word consistently, when we are spending time in His presence, when we are worshiping His name, as we immerse ourselves in His presence on a consistent and daily and moment-by-moment basis, our roots will grow deep into His truth, and our faith will flourish, and in turn, it says that we will overflow with thankfulness. And I believe that the mark of a Christian is that their hearts are truly just overflowing with thankfulness, regardless of the situation, regardless of of where they're at in their life, of what's going on around them, that that thankfulness is just springing forth, just as overflowing from their life. You know, and it's sadly, I've seen people with everything, you know, that they could ever dream of, right? They have more money and possessions that they could ever spend before they die. And uh, they have everything that they could ever think or want, and, and yet they're incredibly thankless. And, and joyless, you can even say. But on the contrary, uh, in, in third world countries, especially, I've seen people with next to nothing. Right? They don't even know where the next meal's coming from. If they're going to have a roof over their head, um, you know, all they have really is the shirt on their back. And, uh, and yet, in the midst of it all, they are incredibly, incredibly thankful people. And joy just, just flows forth from their life. It's such a wonder to see that. And so it's important to understand, guys, this morning that it's not the circumstance that elicits thankfulness. It is the heart's response to the circumstance that elicits thankfulness. So it can be easy, guys, to take for granted the blessings upon your life, especially in America, right? Because they come almost so naturally for, for many of us. Things are just easily attainable. Um, we don't worry most often about where the next meal is coming from or uh, if we're going to have heat. I know that some of us struggle with that. I understand that, and I, I want to be sensitive to that. But overall, uh, in America, it's, it's really not an issue. Um, it's not a struggle. The pain and the hardships, um, or excuse me, it can also be hard or easy to look at the struggles uh, and the pain and the hardships in our life and, and think there's really nothing to be thankful for, right? We all have friends or family members that have, or even ourselves that have gone through, um, you know, health scares or, you know, you've had close family members or relatives pass away um, unexpectedly. You've gone through, all of us have gone through hardship and pain. I understand that. But in those moments, it can be easy to look at it and say there's nothing to be thankful for here. Um, but how quickly we can forget that we have so much <laughs> to be thankful for. You know, I, I think, has anyone ever received a gift of, of some kind? Um, like, yeah, I haven't finished the question. Um, has anyone, were, uh, you, you receive it and you're just blown away by the generosity behind it or the, the heart behind it or the sincerity behind it? Maybe it's just even grace extended to you by somebody that you didn't deserve grace extended to you from. Um, but in the moment, you know, you just, it just moves you so deeply that the only response that you have to it is thank you, right? There's, this, there's no thought of, you know, I, how am I going to pay them back right off the bat? Or, you know, how, how am I going to make this right between them? It's just thank you. I don't know what else to say uh, in response to this moment. Thank you um, for this. And that's, you know, I think of the cross. And that's exactly what Jesus did for you and I, right? And the only response that it should elicit from us is thank you. There's nothing we can do in response that, that makes up for it, you know. You know, thanks God, I'll get you next time, you know. <laughs> There's nothing we can do. And so the only response it should elicit from us is just a heartfelt, emotional thank you. Because without it, you know, I'm without hope. 
you know, Jesus gave his life and he gave it willingly. And I think just for a sinner like me, you know, I failed him time and time and time again and I'll continue to fail him time and again. And yet he said it was worth it, you know. And so when you look at the cross, guys, we have more than we deserve to be thankful for. That right there is more than we deserve to be thankful for. It's a gift that we can't pay back. It's not something that we can earn. There's no other response to it but thank you and acceptance. And I hope you understand that, that Jesus, you know, he paid it all through this atoning sacrifice so that you'd have the opportunity, that I would have the opportunity to spend eternity in his presence with him. And I think about that moment, the, the very humanity, the, the, the people he came to serve and sacrifice himself for, the people who beat him and mocked him and nailed him to a cross, that's, that's the very people he died for. And he deemed worth it as he hung on the cross. And so as I challenge you guys, um, and I really do hope, I'm, I'm going to do this thankfulness list this week, um, and I hope that you guys all will do it. Um, but if you, even if you can't, throughout the whole week, find anything to be thankful for, you should have at least one major thing on that list. And it's just the name Jesus Christ. You know, and above everything else, if you cannot find one thing in your life to be thankful for, there's one right there. And it's far beyond anything that we deserve to be thankful for. And, uh, and so as we, re and, and it encourages us to um, recount or recall or to remember back on all that he has done for us. We have so much to be thankful for just with that alone. Um, but I do encourage all of us guys to just, just write down the things you're thankful for throughout the week. Um, it could be, like I said, little things and in, in the, in the big things. Um, and just allow that to begin to permeate in your hearts as you become a person that's overflowing with thankfulness and the world around sees that. You know, we're salt and light. We end each week with Matthew 5, 14, you're the light of the world, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Um, what kind of, what better light than to have a heart of thanksgiving even in the midst of great trial? You know, the people around you see what's going on in your life and yet they see thanksgiving in the midst of that. How, how amazing could that be to bring light to the Lord? And so, I know we did communion last week. Um, I don't think we can do it enough. <laughs> and uh, I just want to take a time for us to uh, enter his courts with thanksgiving, in our hearts with praise, and, and uh, just come into his throne room you know, thankful for what he's done for us. And the purpose of communion is that we remember him, right? He even said that as he partook in the Last Supper with his disciples, that they do this in remembrance of him. Um, and so uh, that's what we're going to do this morning. Again, I just, uh, before you do it, you don't have to be a member of our church, but we do ask that uh, if you're going to partake in communion that you have uh, made a commitment and uh, given your life over to Christ and you can partake in it. And I'll, what I do is I'll play a song. You guys can come up at any time uh, and take the bread and the cup. You can take it here at the altar. You can take it at your seat, however you prefer. Um, but I just encourage you to have your hearts right before the Lord. Um, and, uh, and just to come with thankfulness today. Uh, we're going into Thanksgiving, and um, I know it's a kind of a, the day that we remember back on, on America itself, but I think more importantly, we should remember back on what Christ has done for us uh, as believers and uh, give thanks for that today. And so um, I'll begin a song here shortly, and, uh, and you guys can come up uh, when you are ready.